0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast coming to you on Sunday, March 27th, 2022. It's the day bet- that the Mavs take on the Jazz in a pivotal game here in the Western Conference that could go a long way in determining home court advantage. There's only seven games remaining this season. It's been a really exciting year with a lot of ups and downs, but it's, it's been fun. And here to talk about this and kind of more... Um, for what we can expect going forward. Returning to the podcast, it's Joshua Ibrahim of ProfitX.ai. They're a sports analytics company. And we had him on our podcast, actually, uh, back in August of last year, I believe. So we're thrilled to have him back. What's up, man? How's it going?
1: Hey, Jay, how you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for coming back on. And congrats on the launch of your platform.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We've been busy behind the scenes plugging away and and uh we we finally just launched the platform about a week ago so we're working through all the kinks and and uh and just gearing up to for the playoffs and and the offseason so it's been an exciting time
0: yeah man it must be really really exciting uh to be you know to have launched something like that i'm sure you're super busy but we're really excited to see what what you guys do and, and how you can help the mavs so you know I, I know that we had you on a little while ago, uh, but maybe as a quick refresher for, for some of the people who uh, haven't listened or, or, you know, have forgotten. Um, you guys announced a partnership with the Mavericks last August, and that's when I reached out to you and, you know, we did the podcast and, and that was super informative. Uh, maybe tell our listeners a little bit more, you know, about what you guys do at Profit X and kind of what drew you to partnering with the Mavs as your first team.
1: Yeah, so... So we're a, we're a sports technology company. We have two products. One is more geared towards the B2B enterprise software side, which is what the Mavericks have been, uh, what, what we signed the, the Mavericks to, a multi-year sports performance partnership. We also have a, a new tool that we've released to the fans. That's a, it's the sports probability platform. It really harnesses all of our individual athlete insights, models, widgets from the athletics, and we harness it into a team performance platform that basically predicts the outcomes for the next five days. We also have a live probability model. We have individual athlete insights, AI projections for performance for the next 10 days, uh, real-time salary converters, and uh, scouting tools, um, and so that's really more geared towards the consumer side. Um, can be used in in a, a slew of different use cases: fantasy sports, sports betting. Um, just you know, aspiring sports agents, general managers look into to really uh, you know broaden their their knowledge. But I, I think this one's more geared towards the overall team performance using our individual athlete insights. And I think that's where, uh, that's where the competitive, you know, the, the really dynamic part of the technology comes into play. We've done back testing on 450,000 games over the past decade. And we have, you know, accuracy results between 68 and 98% overall. So a lot of hard work went into it, but we're really happy with with the the outcome of of all of our analysis, and and we're looking to to uh, get our name out there and and uh, and let everyone use this technology.
0: Yeah, um, I'm sure it was a ton of work. I mean, especially in sports analytics, you have so much data that's available now. Um, so really trying to you know figure out what to use and how to tune your models, I think, is is really the hard part. Um, You know, I I wanna ask you like, kind of how did you build your software? And you know, the the three years that you spent building this, like, what was that like? (laughs)
1: It was a roller coaster, Jay. (laughs)
0: Um, I think the
1: the, the most ironic thing is that I learned about the, the whole development phase was that technology doesn't care what you want, when you want it, it will be ready when it's ready. But I think the initial the initial development phase, I had a completely different vision for what this software was going to be versus what it actually came out to be. So my initial concept, you know, my when I filed for the, the patent application and drew out all the designs and really tested out the real time contract value algorithm. It was really gonna be geared more towards like a Bloomberg type terminal where you kind of see the athletes as stocks and you kind of see the traject- financial trajectory, whether it goes up, whether it goes down, and different indicators that that dictate that trajectory. And during that develop you know during the three years of development, I quickly realized that it was a way more balanced platform than what I originally thought it was going to be. So we have a very good balance of, for every athlete, there's a, a eight financial models, there's 12 performance models. And so it's really kind of, you know, when we finished up the initial beta development, I kind of took a step back and was like, this is way more than what I originally thought it was going to be. And it even surpassed my expectations. And so we really tried to, we really tried to, you know, during the development phase, my one thing was it really needs, no matter what, it needs to be accurate and we need to validate the software. Like no matter what, that has to be done. Otherwise, no one's going to listen to us. No one's going to talk to us. And so, you know, we took a, you know, a step-by-step approach where we brought on the right people, Bobby Marks, Uh, the Dallas Mavericks. We did a beta program with 25 NBA teams. We collected a lot of insights, feedback. We created new models for teams. We also had sports, large sports agencies uh, utilizing access to our platform. So we really tried to gather as much feedback as we could to really just make this the premier product on, on the market. And and i think through all of that testing and report generations and and all of the feedback that we took in we really kind of harnessed that and and tried to really optimize the software to a point where we could use it for different you know users say the fans and the sports agents and media partnerships and so forth so the the development part of it was definitely a uh, a roller coaster. Um, It definitely was scary at times because, you know, there was, you know, I left a, I left a position in the, in the sports agency world to go out and try to solve this problem that I experienced as an agent and, and really try to make a bigger impact uh, than what I was doing as a, as a sports agent on a bigger level with this technology.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, um, your background is obviously as a sports agent, um, and you've represented players like Montrezl Harrell, for example. Um, you know, what What was kind of your motivation to transition from, from that side of the business into something, you know, more analytical like you're doing now?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, it was really through the problem, you know, the, 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 the The problems that I experienced as an agent. When when I went into contract negotiations with teams, I didn't have technology that would update in real time during free agency. As you know, most of the money is gone within 48 to 72 hours. So you have to make decisions on the fly. You have to have something that updates in real time with all of the roster changes during free agency to really kind of put your client in the best position possible. And the other problem was, is I didn't have anything really to create comps for my clients other than the signings during free agency, which are di- dictated by supply and demand and cap space. And it doesn't really reflect what the client my clients were worth from a career perspective. Are they staying healthy? Are they developing? What's their player potential look like? How are they performing? What's the roster dynamic look like? How versatile are they? And so I felt those were the two biggest problems that didn't accurately reflect the value of my clients for their entire career versus what, you know, really having to be dictated by what the teams were signing the players for in that short window. And I didn't think that was the right way to do it. Um, so along with the technology problem, I left Rosenhaus and spent almost three over three years developing the platform to try to make a you know a bigger impact than, than what I was doing. Because at the end of the day, the software helps the teams be smart about how they build their rosters. The teams are driven by winning championships, which boost the values of the teams by a billion dollars easily. And then from the athlete perspective, it's about getting what they're worth and like maximizing the financial potential of these athletes and helping shed, shed these labels that some of these, you know, veteran players have and really try to just get them paid. And so I think those were kind of the big drivers for me into really trying to set out and, and, and and build this technology that I thought could, could disrupt in a, in a very good way, the sports ecosystem.
0: Yeah. And I'm kind of glad you mentioned like about how fast free agency moves. Cause we've seen that um, in the past where, you know, the market just moves so quickly and, and like, if a team is not ready for, you know, for that speed, they often get left behind. Um, and I think like, you know, unfortunately like we've seen the Mavs kind of fall victim to this, but you know, in the original press release uh, that that you guys had with them, um, I think Mark Cuban said that this is going to give the Mavericks a competitive advantage. So, you kind of see this providing a competitive advantage to the Mavs, where you can sort of make a case for certain guys and say, like, it it would be it would be worth paying them so and so amount, or it might be worth getting a player of this profile to the team because it can uh, you know it can help us take the next step.
1: Yeah, I mean. Look, I think I think the one thing I learned as an agent was there's got to be equilibrium on on both sides of the table. You know, the athlete has to be happy with with what he's getting paid and the teams need to have some type of flexibility to continue to build their roster around their their cornerstone. So I think I think with from the athlete perspective and just, you know, having that from you know, a third party data provider that gives them a neutral non-biased perspective on versus what the teams internally have, where they value, you know, if they, and when they valued their players, it gives them a, you know, a a starting point, a, a, a comp, and it's a comp that's fair. And it's, it's accurate because we've, We've generated 163 free agency reports and, you know, the projections versus what the teams are signing for are very, very accurate. So from our perspective, you know, I think that, you know, it gives the Mavericks flexibility to plan for the future. It gives them flexibility to kind of make decisions on the fly when, when they need to. And, and I think it, you know, it does give them a significant competitive advantage just because of the amount of data that we give on every single athlete that's playing in the NBA. And that, and that's, and that's kind of our, our secret sauce.
0: Yeah. And I think having that data ahead of time can only help, you know, front office prepare for, for the off season. And I'm really looking forward to see, you know, what this new front office can do after a full year uh, under their belt. So really, you know, really excited to see you guys help them out. Um, I want to get to some maps questions, but first I want to talk a little bit about what you guys offer, um, as a company. So you kind of have two main, I guess, offerings like the sports probability platform and then the athlete uh, why don't we start with the sports probability platform? Like kind of what was the, the driving force behind that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, so I think there was kind of a, a phase where, you know, after, after we after we brought on bobby marks to our board of directors we went through you know we went and revisited a lot of the a lot of the we had him do an audit on the platform and and identify some areas where we could make some enhancements because that was the ultimate goal make this the best product possible make it as accurate as possible and make it so that you know it needs to be in the hands of everyone in in the in the realm of sports. And so once we went through that phase with Bobby, we made some upgrades to some of the contractual models to really, you know, just fine tune and get in preparation of free agency. And so once we had done that, we also gathered a lot of the feedback from our initial pilot program. And, and then we kind of transitioned into the free agency perspective, where My initial analysis before free agency was from an agent perspective that a lot of these numbers were going to be relative, you know, really close to what they actually signed for. So I I had a I had a good amount of confidence moving into the free agency period where we we were gonna make some, you know, make some noise and bring some eyes onto, onto what we're doing and then you know, we, we engaged with the Mavericks and we ended up, you know, negotiating a a multi-year partnership with the Mavericks. And so once we had done that and, and I'm from Texas, as, as you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm a Mavericks fan. And, and I, I realized that from a B2B perspective that there's only 30 teams. And so, how many teams do I need to really validate the software? Well, I have, you know, the Dallas Mavericks with, uh, you know, a, a once in a generation type player with a with an owner who's very cutting edge and and on the on the foot of of, you know, a lot of different things, especially bringing in something that will will help them in the short and long term. So once we kind of went through that, that once we finalized the partnership with the Mavericks, we went into free agency and generated, I believe it was about 60 to 70 contractual reports and, you know, Lonzo ball, Kyle Lowry, uh, uh, Gary Trent, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, we projected a lot of the top tier free agents. And so once we had kind of went through that phase, it was, it was really a point of, okay, is the B2B model sustainable for us? Can we secure more clients? Do we need to secure more clients? Or can we shift our focus to what my original goal was, which was to democratize the data and bring transparency to the sports ecosystem? And the only way I was going to do that was by giving giving a product to the fans that they can use, that they can harness and use it for whatever they want and help them optimize their decision-making process. And so we looked at a lot of different options, but ultimately we came back to team performance and kind of predicting you know, from a betting perspective, from a fantasy sports perspective, from just a, you know, a generic sports fan perspective, what are the, what are the things that can be useful for our consumers in different use cases that, that we can provide to them? So it was really about harnessing a lot of the different individual athlete insights and models and widgets and tools that we have. And putting it into a platform that just focuses on team performance, and also athlete like performance projections, um, and and scouting tools, and real time salary contract converters, uh, and so there it it's kind of it's a it's a platform that's that's more catered towards the fans, but it gives them the insights into whatever they need to use it for, and predicting from a pre-match perspective about 66 to 68% accuracy on the outcomes of those games and then from a live probability perspective it's it's ranges from 70 to 90% as the game progresses through so it's really about just an extension of the athletics which is our original platform and really designing and catering it towards something that the fans could use which we, we feel really excited about and, and, um, and ready to, to make some, make some noise with it as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I want to ask you about the the real time versus projected contract value, because, um, as you probably have seen, the Mavs have a couple of players, if not more that have really, I would say, outperformed their contract value like Dorian Finney-Smith, for example, um, or Jalen Brunson this year, uh, I guess, tell us a little bit more about that and, and kind of what goes into the, the real-time contract value.
1: Yeah. So so the, the real-time contract value algorithm was one of our first, was actually one of the first things I initially tested even before I started development on it. And so there's a lot of parameters that you have to factor in. You have to make sure, number one, the contract values are actually realistic, um, that you know, the teams can afford these values, but not have it constrained by what available cap space the teams have, right? Because that kind of defeats the purpose of it. You won't be able to see if the athlete is outperforming his contract, if it's it's configured to factor in the team cap space and it kind of defeats the purpose of that. So, you know, I wanted to really factor in from a career perspective, all of the impactful things that the athlete needs to be, needs to have considered for him to get, you know, to justify his value. And that really goes into, you know, a lot of different dynamics of how the athlete individually is performing, how he's developing within the team uh, dynamic. Also, you know, factoring in the player potential, what he could do in the next one to two years. We don't like to project farther than two years out because you really can't. Honestly, it's, it's, it's too much of a crapshoot. The accuracy levels on our models go down from 90 percent to around 60 to 70 percent, you know, from, from three years to, to five years out. So it really doesn't make sense from that perspective. But what I wanted, what I tried to do was just give them a glimpse, give the users a glimpse into, you know, is this player getting better? Is it factoring in his entire you know, the, the previous history of his performance and is it reflecting a number that matches with, with where he's currently sitting at? So I think those are a lot of the the factors that kind of go into the algorithm. It was obviously configured and tested, and we had to do a lot of updates on that one because it was really, really hard to kind of get a number that that kind of reflects from an agent perspective uh, you know that these values are attainable and and actually valid for for what they've been doing on the court
0: yeah and i think that provides a pretty good segue for kind of my my next question um and maybe to some of the more Mavs specific stuff so like i saw a post from you guys a couple days ago um about how spencer dinwiddie who the Mavs acquired at the trade deadline has been one of the the biggest uh movers on your platform in terms of uh rising stock right and you look at his metrics like uh, overall offensive impact, attacking the basket, perimeter scoring, free throws, all of them are up with the Mavs um, as compared to uh, the Wizards, right? And, you know, I guess my first question is, when I look at sort of, uh, I guess, the the dashboard and seeing these metrics, like, how, how should I interpret it? Um, and then, you know, did you, cause Spencer Dinwiddie was a guy that I actually wanted last off season. So I was kind of disappointed when the Mavs weren't able to get him. And so I was happy when we were able to trade for him and it's worked out, you know, even better than I could have expected. So uh, I guess what sort of insights were you looking at, I guess, going into the trade deadline and why has Spencer Dinwiddie been such a great fit with the Mavs?
1: I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's, that's that there's, a couple of parts to this question that I would like to address. I think number one, I think, you know, you have to go back to his days at Brooklyn, number one, and see what kind of player he was before his injury. I think he was a really, really good piece for the Brooklyn Nets at the time. And he, he performed at a really high level and, and really gelled with that team for what his role was with that team at that time. And I think, Once the injury once the injury kind of you know the happened and you you could start to see the decline, obviously, because he wasn't playing, you could see the decline in his value. When he did end up signing that that contract with the Wizards, we actually had him projected at 18 million. And I think he signed for like 182. Yeah. So it was actually right on the money for what he was worth at that time even though his real time value that season was at like 1.6 million or whatever you know it was really low. So the other the second part to that is when you looked at Washington's roster when they did sign him they made some trades, they made some moves, they brought in a lot of a lot of players that I didn't think would really translate for Spencer at the time into what his production was with Brooklyn, so I just thought that there was a situation you know and he was coming back from an injury had to work his way back and like there was there was an adjustment period, but I just ultimately think the roster was not constructed for for Spencer to be at that same level that he was he was performing at in Brooklyn so whether it be mismanagement, whether it be just the other types of players needing the ball in their hand more and, and what his specific role was on, on Washington, those things, you know, you can speculate, but uh, from an observation perspective, those are the things that I noticed. And so when you, when you translate that over to the Mavericks You know, they're definitely they definitely made a philosophy change in my perspective that they went small ball number one and that they needed someone to really man with the evolution of JB. I think they really needed someone on the second unit and Tim Hardaway being out. They needed someone on the second unit to provide that scoring punch. And so bringing on two additional pieces with Dinwiddie and Bertans, who. Even in the platform, a couple, you know, two seasons ago, Bertan signed a, you know, a $16 million contract. I don't know the exact number on that, but I think it was 16. Was it 16? Yeah. yeah. We had him projected around 14 or 15 that two seasons ago when we did the analysis on that. So my initial thoughts on those two players coming to Dallas was this is a great fit because they need shooting, they need a scoring punch and they need someone that can be on the floor and like help, help Luca and like, and, and help the rest of the team. Um, I didn't think it was going to be a defensive from my perspective. I thought Dinwiddie was an above, you know, a a pretty good defender can hold his own. And, um, and so I didn't think there was going to be a big lag between, you know, the, the trade happening and, and what they were, you know, what they had before that. But, you know, when you look at the team fit model, when you look at the team fit model, you know, that model specifically gives you an analysis of in real time, when those rosters change, it gives you that analysis of where the players strengths and weaknesses are evaluated against that current roster. And so, I think what you're seeing on that model is you're seeing a lot of the areas where the Mavs potentially could use some punch and Dinwiddie brings that punch. And so that's where you see that really you know, high level of, of percentage score where it, it's basically saying this is a great fit for how the Mavs are playing right now, how Dinwiddie's playing right now and and it's working and and i think you i think you see that with with how they've they've been playing you know the past you know 6 uh, i think it's been 6 weeks or maybe a little less than that
0: yeah yeah
1: um but you know it it's it's uh i think from from our analysis it's been a very good it's been a very good match for both sides and and uh you know you're you're seeing you know you're seeing the The impact that it's having so it's it's exciting
0: yeah um I think I always felt like the Mavs needed more playmaking so that's why the acquisition of Dinwiddie I felt was was really good it was just a matter of could he regain the form that we had seen in Brooklyn like you mentioned and I think the the answer to that question is unequivocally yes right now so it's really exciting to see him play up to the level that you know we've seen in the past Um, and I think you know his ability to get to the free throw line. Like I think his free throw rate is higher than Lucas and higher than JP's. So, I mean, honestly, like it's, it's, it's been a culture change in a sense, or like at least a philosophy change. Like you said, like his ability to go downhill, draw fouls, get to the free throw line is just like a mentality that the Mavs didn't have before. Um, and so that's what I really like about him. And defensively, like you said, I think he's really good at using his length, um, to disrupt, uh, disrupt entry passes and things like that. Um, That's another thing I wanted to ask you was about defense. I mean, obviously, the Mavs have completely shifted their defensive identity this year. They're one of the better teams uh, on defense. I think they're sixth in the league in defensive rating this season. It's been a night and day difference from the last couple of years. Yeah, it has. And the unique thing about it is that they don't have a traditional rim protector. I mean, I guess they did have one with K.P., Uh, But even with him in and out of the lineup, there was a lot of times where it was, you know, Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber that was really manning the middle for them. So I want to ask you if there's any insights that you've gained through your analysis that kind of indicate how the Mavs have, have done it this year defensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think you hit, you hit one, one piece of it. I think Maxi Kleber is, is, even even kind of I, I believe I was watching one game where he had like five blocks in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, where did this come from? Like, wow. Like he's he's like, he's like a in he's a presence in the paint. And like, and it's it's such like a it's such a camouflage move because you don't really, you didn't really kind of expect it. I honestly like even with the the whole defensive shift, I kind of expected that with with coach Kidd coming in and and coming from the Lakers that he was going to put more of an emphasis on it because at the end of the day like that's in my opinion that's all that matters in the playoffs is how you play defense like all this run and gun and offensive you know shooting in the in the regular season it doesn't have any bearing in the playoffs it's a completely different it's a d- completely different style of basketball and so i think they they made the right adjustments. They have the right philosophy and they're, they're executing to a very high level of degree with, with how they're, they're playing defense. And so um, I don't know if there, I don't know if there's been uh, a significant outlier from our analysis that kind of covers the, the overall team perspective. But when you look at the different pieces that they've kind of brought into place, and, and kind of how they're playing from an overall team perspective. I think Maxi is, is definitely one. And I think just, you know, how they're kind of overall kind of blending together and just really being solid on defense, I think is kind of really reflected in our models. And, uh, and, and, and that's exciting. And, and obviously we also provide a lot of different individual scouting tools for opposing players that can potentially give the Mavs insights into how to guard these players. And and really, it's not just about the financials that we offer. We have different tools that can be utilized for the coaching staff, for the player development, uh, and the trainers, and really just trying to create an overall game-by-game strategy to, to win games. And I think and and I think that's where kind of the the overall power of the athletics really really shines through.
0: Yeah. Um and I think like, you know, going forward, um I think it it's it's reasonable to expect the Mavs to continue to be a good defensive team and that's gonna help them in the playoffs. I mean, honestly. A lot of people haven't really been able to explain how the Mavs have turned around defensively, but I think a large part of it has been scheme buy-in from the players. And and that's really how a lot of people describe it, which of course is important. Uh, I got a couple of more questions for you before I let you go um, about the Mavs. So I guess looking forward to the off season, um, what sort of, I guess, like player archetype or, or, you know, type of skill set do you think the Mavs would be wise to look for? I mean, just off the top of my head, I think the front court is probably their biggest need right now. Acquiring, you know, another big that's that's either pretty skilled at guarding the rim or that can stretch the floor. I mean, obviously those players are very hard to come by. But I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on what you feel like um, the Mavs need uh, going into the summer.
1: You know. <laughs> Well, I, I definitely agree with you on on the on the I, I think an area to definitely look at would be the front court. I think losing KP not necessarily has put a hole in their in their in their defensive side of it, just because I agree with you. They've really just kind of bought in. They've bought into kind of the teams the team system and the style of play and the culture and really just Playing overall good defense, and I think that's that's really shined through. But potentially adding a piece that can really, you know, I think the beauty of having Luca is you can you have so much versatility with really any types of player that you kind of bring on. So, you know, I, I would think Jeremy Grant would be you know a, a an intriguing piece to look at. Um, you know, I definitely think. Uh yeah, I think Jeremy, Jeremy Grant, Bobby Portis would be some intriguing pieces that that definitely could really help you on the defensive side and also bring some scoring punch and and versatility with, with kind of just seamlessly fitting into the lineup and and kind of letting Luca and JB and Spencer do their thing and, and adding another key piece to the lineup. Um from from you know, obviously DeAndre Ayton is is going to be a restricted free agent. I don't I don't think they have the the cap space to do that. But you know, maybe a, a traditional center could be a intriguing piece as well. It's wishful thinking, but um, just the idea of them kind of playing together would be very intriguing to me. Um, But yeah, I would say front court, front court depth. I think they're pretty, you know, and then I think they're losing Bertans. Uh, He's going to be a free agent. So maybe adding some, some more shooting uh, to kind of stretch the floor, I think would be another area that I would look at. Um, But I, I would say those, those two areas would be kind of where I would look at.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can never have too much shooting on your team. Um, and yeah, I think like having another big that could really just finish on the inside, uh, a, a guy that has a little bit more size than, than what they have right now in the front court would probably be uh, yeah. worth for them to acquire.
1: Yeah, and and also from the defensive standpoint, I mean, you, you have the emergence of a lot of bigs, you know, Jokic, Embiid, that I don't know if they, the Mavs entirely struggle with that or not, but I, I do think that, it's not a it's not a long term option if if you're gonna if you're gonna go up against those guys. So I think trying to find someone that can kind of fit that mold and and if at the very least just be a presence on the defensive side and and just bring in more shooting, I think will will really make leaps and bounds for the Mavericks moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know right now you see them um, kind of do it by committee. They throw a lot of double teams at some of these yeah. great big men, um, which which works, but it, it, it's obviously tiring and you do see, you do see them kind of show signs of fatigue um, over the course of, of, these last few weeks. Um, and so like, that's my concern with them in the playoffs. I think they could win in the first round, but, but going forward, um, if they do have to face an elite big man, it's going to give them trouble. Um, we'll, see, we'll see
1: how they do yeah. tonight. with go bear. I mean, that's, yeah,
0: I, uh, yeah. Tonight's a huge game.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, they're, 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 you gotta get the four seed, you know? you yeah. Gotta get the home court advantage. So
0: yeah, that would be huge. Um, okay, I got I got one last question for you. Sure. And I think this has sort of been a, a topic of of discussion among MAS fans for basically the whole year. Um, and that's Jalen Brunson's upcoming free agency. Um, I think Jalen has taken steps to improve each year that he's been in the NBA, and, and you're kind of seeing it this year really pay off. Um, he's got a bigger role and, and is producing. You know, honestly, like a star player and he's on a really cheap contract. It's I, I think only like one point four billion or something like that obviously is worth way more than that is going to get a lot more money this summer. Um, what are your real time uh, contract insights telling you about him um, as far as what we can expect uh, in free agency?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh... <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, JB has definitely had a, had a, a big rise this season. His, his role with the team has expanded, and the opportunity for him to really showcase his abilities has, has been highlighted this season um, with, with KP being injured a lot and, and, uh, and just the need for, you know, a, a secondary scoring punch. Um, I think JB has taken the stance that you know he's in the media that he's looking for 20 20 is it 20 mil? At that's least that's what
0: the the reports say yeah
1: yeah I mean you know he's definitely you know from from our perspective you know it's definitely it's definitely on point with it's definitely on point with his real-time contract value this season our AI projections, are all also factoring in his previous season. So it's a little bit more balanced in terms of uh, of what the range is, but it's definitely reflecting, it's definitely reflecting on on a lot of points with his real, t- and that spike in his real-time value this season. And, you know, you ha- you also have to factor in, like, what's he going to, what kind of player is he going to be in two to three years, right? And you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to make that decision to mimic that salary on what he's getting paid for. And I think from his perspective, you're looking at it like I don't want to be on another underperforming contract. I want to get paid what I'm worth. As he should. As he should. Absolutely. From, you know, and that's why we built the software, right. To help the athletes get, get what they paid and to obviously help help the teams, find that balance where they can, they can get a number that gives equilibrium to both sides. And then they can also continue to build out, you know, the rest of the, the necessary uh, additions that they need to, to make a competitive and championship type roster. But I would say it's, it's pretty on point with, with where, where he's heading into free agency and, and um. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, our I think our low end on the projections is is, I think we we did a post a couple of months ago and had him around, I think, twenty one million. And uh, and that was probably before he continued that, you know, his his elevated performance. So I would imagine it to be between the twenty to twenty five million dollar range. Um, i think that's what where he'll where he'll end up and i think he'll have a lot of interest from uh i think he'll have a lot of uh interest from you know opposing teams so it's really just a matter of preference for j b and and where he wants to kind of continue his career and and uh and obviously you know getting getting what he's worth
0: yeah absolutely i think you know for ver- various reasons it's probably wise for the Mavs to to bring him back but as you said, there'll be a lot of interest from him across the league, as we've already kind of seen through reports. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on. But, um, you know, it's, we're, we're getting ready for playoff time. And I think uh, this year is probably the most optimistic I've felt about the Mavs in a long time. So fingers crossed that we finally see a playoff series win for the first time since the championship
1: yeah, I'm I'm definitely, you know, I've definitely seen, you know, you and I have been definitely talking throughout the whole season and yeah. definitely just seen a a different a different type of team, you know, this season from a defensive perspective. And and I'm also very excited and optimistic about their chances going into the I think it's wide open, honestly. I know I may be a little bit more optimistic than you, but I just think with the injuries and really anything can happen in the playoffs. So, you know, I like their chances and I I like where they're, where they're headed. They just got to, you know, continue to stay the course and and play their style of basketball. And I think they'll, they'll be in a very good position come the postseason.
0: Yeah. Really after Phoenix, I don't see that there's a clear number two in the West. So the Mavs could be that team, you know, if, if, if they want to and everything breaks right for them. So um, yeah, let's, let's, Let's go Mavs. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's go Mavs. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks, Joshua. I really appreciate you coming on again. It's always, always awesome to talk to you about the Mavs and, and basketball. And it's really great to see uh, what you're doing with, with Profit X um, and, and awesome to see that you guys have launched. So congrats. Well, and me, Jay. Forward, yeah, and, uh, forward it, was, to it seeing was
1: a pleasure, you. pleasure speaking with you today and, and, um and go Mavs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Go Mavs. All right. We'll see you soon and good luck. Thanks, Jay.